Hello. Welcome to episode 22 of Our Weird Life. My name is Jodie. And my name is Jack. Sorry, I just ate a biscuit, so <laughs> <laughs> I think that intro sounded really moist because I had a biscuit and a cup of tea. Oh, moist intro. <laughs> so Jack, before we get too comfortable, yes. we, need to, we need to establish something. We need to lay some ground rules. No, we just need to say something. Sorry, Joe. Would you mind turning the heat off? We can, we can hear it in the background, like an annoying presence that you do don't you want, want to, to be present. You don't want that to do that no, again. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, ow. <laughs> okay. What's, okay. Uh, what needs to be established, Joe? So after three, we're going to say the same thing, okay? And you're going to read my mind. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, we forgot to say Merry Christmas last episode, which would be in time for Christmas, but now it's Sunday. Boxing, boxing, boxing day. Yeah, <laughs> the, the day, day after, after boxing day. day. So that was the, what day is, what's the date? 27th. 7th. But yeah. we're pre-recording this. Mm-hmm. So, oh. so 27th. Where's my phone? Merry Christmas, everyone. Yes, um, we hope, we hope you, had... you had a wonderful day. That was weird. You were about to say the same thing. We were. Hope you had a wonderful day. Got loads of presents and had loads of food and you know mm-hmm. a lovely time, as Christmas tends to be. Every item, every electrical item I own is going off right now. Yeah, my iPad's not even in this room. Don't worry about it. It's oh, fine. It's behind me. So, Joe, mm-hmm. yesterday we went snowboarding. We did. How did you find it? Very good, actually. So last season, I'm not going to bore you, but last season I hurt my ankle. And every time I tried to snowboard, it was very painful. And I got to the point where I just... Also, it was very icy. Mm. There wasn't much snow last year. So every time I fell over, it was more painful. I got a huge bruise and I kept landed on the same bruise. It was very slippery and difficult to snowboard on. It really wasn't enjoyable at all. So this season, we were really, like, hoping for a lot of snow. And we've had a ton of snow. <laughs> it's been yeah, off the chart. Yeah, so we went yesterday, took it nice and easy for our first day. I mean, we did go right up to the top hmm. and then uh, went went down there a few times and then came all the way down the uh, the hill. And it probably takes, I'd say, an hour or 40 minutes to get to the top. You're probably not wrong actually. When you do when you go through three sets of ski lifts. Yeah, and a and mini in, one. And in between <laughs> each one, there's a pause where you're obviously having to cross to the next one. Mm. Yeah, it, it takes a while, doesn't it? It does. Like cuz I remember the one I was at the bottom and there's a clock at each station and it one it was like 20 to 10 or something when we got to the top it was 10. Right. I was like, oh, my God, that, that was one, one lift. lift. The first lift took 20 minutes. Wow. And then there's two more after that. It's crazy when you think about um, you use one of the ski lifts and then you snowboard down that particular hill. <laughs> takes five minutes. Yeah, you're down in an instant <laughs> and you've got to <laughs> yeah. sit on the damn thing again <laughs> yeah. and wait for another 20 minutes or so. But mm. if you've never been on a ski lift before, um, it's a bit of a weird experience, isn't it, really? You yeah, just, I don't like it at all. Yeah. Sat there suspended about, I don't know, how 15 foot up in the air away from the snow. Usually alone. Usually alone, yeah. Um, sometimes they have more seats, but because of the situation the way it is now, um, they tend to just want single 
riders. I thought that was because of our snowboards are too big. I think it's probably both reasons, really. Oh. Um, but what happened uh, yesterday on one of the lifts was that Jodie was one chair ahead of me and I saw her stand up, position the snowboard and start to go down the hill. That was fine. I looked down at my feet and then looked back up again and Jodie was gone. <laughs> and I don't mean gone like she was preparing to go down the hill. I mean, she, she was gone. She'd vanished. It disappeared. I just saw these two little feet kind of wiggling <laughs> yeah. in the air. And you had, uh, you'd fall. Somehow you'd managed to go underneath a rope barrier mm. and then like hurtle into a big mound of snow. What happened? Well, so my excuse is that I ride goofy, which means uh, regular is left foot forward first mm. and goofy is right. So when I lean, was leaning back, um, I veered more towards the right than, say, you would. Yeah. And <laughs> where, the, where you come off the slope, it's very compacted snow. It's very hard and you're supposed to, like, sort of glide down. So as my board went off to the right, there was just a load of brand new soft snow that nobody's touched because there's these like wire, no, what are they called? Rope. Rope, yeah, up to stop you going down there. So <laughs> as my board just teetered over the edge of this hard sort of um, slope, it just went, it just completely <laughs> collapsed. I just literally just went into a mound of dust under, so under the rope. Yeah, and I've been stuck in snow before. And the first thing I would ever say to anybody is get your snowboard off yeah. as quick as you can because as the more snow that gets on, on top of it, you're not going to be able to lift it. So I lifted my snowboard above my head so I could... So imagine I'm on my back, my snowboard's above my head, and I'm reaching up to undo the, the clasps on my snowboard. Everyone else is about, what would you say, 10 metres in front of me? Yeah, about that, I suppose. Like where they should have gone down the slope and over to the right, and all they can see is my the bottom of my bright pink snowboard, <laughs> like in the air, <laughs> waggling in the air. Yeah. So then eventually they came over <laughs> because they had to take their snowboards off and whatever to come and help me, and um, and I got my snowboard off and then I sort of wiggled down. But when once you're stuck in the snow, it's really difficult to get out of, and it's really unpleasant because every time you put your hand down behind you to push yourself up your hand sinks into the snow it's like quicksand isn't it i suppose it's got that same yeah. effect the more you push into it the more you are absorbed by mm -hmm. them but i mean let's say last year um we decided to take a bit more of an adventurous route on mm -hmm. the recommendation of our friends by the way um <laughs> Won't be doing to <laughs> use like the unspoilt powdery snow down the steep of the mountain. Be because, sorry, there was a reason for this, because there was so little snow last year. Exactly, yeah. And it was really icy and really unpleasant, so they were like, oh, come down here. Yeah, to like, take advantage of the Between the trees, yeah. Snow. Um, and at first it's a great experience because it's like you're balancing, oh, sorry, bouncing on a, like a big like bouncy castle almost. Yeah. Really nice feel underneath bouncy your feet. Snow, yeah. The problem was when we came to a flat part of the uh, of the powder, we got stuck. Yeah. And the more you try and push against the snow, the more you sink. Mm -hmm. And there was one point when I, it was getting a bit nerve-wracking, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, I was a bit nervous. Um, and I 
just about managed to get myself out and then we eventually got Jody out too but you're so exhausted by the time you've mm-hmm. gone through all that process and yeah. then you've got to keep snowboarding to get down and obviously the whole process of snowboarding is like a big squat like you've yeah. pretty you spend most of your time with bent knees don't you so it's a very tiring experience so for, <laughs> for god's sake just follow the path don't go off the, the beaten track and try and be smart it's not worth it no no especially if you're like unexperienced snowboarder that, that really didn't help as well we were you know still beginners i would say it was really. our second year snowboarding but yeah. yeah my biggest thing was once my snowboard was stuck i didn't have enough energy to lift it out to take my snowboard off to walk out of the snow yeah like i couldn't even like my feet are trapped it's like the thing that you need to move is stuck <laughs> gone, because yeah. there's all this weight on top of the board so imagine having to pull that board up with your feet but it's like got compacted snow on top. It's really shocking how quickly your breath leaves you as well when you're trying to dig out of that snow. Yeah. A couple of our friends yesterday, they decided to sort of take, again, a similar kind of deep powder snow um, off route um, path and they got stuck. Two of them, yeah, got stuck. Two of them stuck. got stuck and they, they were visibly exhausted by you the time they see. came back. So we... We were shouted over to them, like, are you okay? Do you need help? Because we could see them from where we were. But we knew that there was nothing really that we could do. So, like, where I was stuck, I was still in reaching distance for, like, Jack put his board out and I grabbed his board and he pulled me. But if he'd have come in to get me, he'd have got stuck too. So yeah, it was problem, like, it? yeah. So when we were looking at our friend, we were like, we want to help you, but we can't. Like, what can we do? Like other yeah. than like maybe dig a path towards them if they were, if you know it got to that, but you then, probably make it worse when you're trying to wade in yourself. Yeah, and then but that was the stuff. that was the friend that we could see, so we didn't know that our other friend. We thought he'd already gone. He was at the top, rolling like physically rolling down the hill because yeah. he couldn't move. Mm. How awful! And then after that, he was like, "I want to go home" because he was so exhausted. Yeah. It's, so, um, as much as it is fun, it is really dangerous and we're very aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think both of us had had this thing in the back of our heads too because of um, we heard this terrible story the, the day before about uh, a poor girl who had uh, got stuck. I think she was a beginner snowboarder yeah. um, in the northwest of Japan in the fresh snow, must have just fallen in and no one knew that she was there. Mm. And unfortunately, she lost her life. It was absolutely tragic. Yeah. And so that was on our minds, actually, I think, the next day. So we were much more cautious. And mm. I think f- for the best, really. Yeah. Sometimes, especially with extreme sports, I think it's very easy to... Things are going well, you get yeah. cocky, and then you make a mistake. <laughs> and you, yeah. only, you only made that mistake once. And, you know, we're not looking to be like, you know, the world's worst snowboard. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, just fun. It's a really... It's a pleasant experience to just be able to not fall over, make your way mm. down the, the hill, you know, and it's it's fun. That is it's interesting, fun. actually, because yesterday we only fell over a couple of times and mm. that was when we were just sort of, we weren't too, we weren't afraid to fall over no. because the snow was so soft. Absolutely, yeah. That made a massive difference. Last year you would fall over and it was like falling over on concrete. Yeah. And it was so painful. Speaking of concrete, I fell over. Did I already say that? Maybe I already said that. Yes, at the end of the last one. How was your hand doing? It's okay. It's yeah. a bit bruised. It's surprising how much my wrist hurts, actually. I don't yeah. remember this happening when I was a kid. Like, I would fall all the time, graze my knee and get up and... It's, um, yeah. 
one of them things, isn't it? <laughs> it's like so, <laughs> I mean, today we really did a workout. <laughs> yeah, the winter time in Japan is is brilliant for staying fit because over the past week our roof has been gathering a considerable amount of snow mm-hmm. and it hasn't been going anywhere has it it's just been it would melt a tiny bit and these giant ice fingers were starting yeah. to appear icicles. Uh, icicles along the side <laughs> did you forget the name of them i did ice actually fingers. ice fingers icicles <laughs> were starting to form down the uh the sides of our house um and because this is an old building we thought well we want to take the weight off mm the roof so we did and we decided to try and dig through it that wasn't wasn't very easy (laughs) no see in our imagination you know like you see all the cartoons and things they just hit a bit of the snow and the whole roof you know load of snow comes down upon them that's what we thought was going to happen yeah uh no the snow is still on the roof all we've done is knocked all the icicles off and like the first sort of layer chunk that was hanging over the roof that's it and every time we were so excited because we thought the whole load of snow would come tumbling down, but it really didn't. <laughs> it never really did. No. It's funny because um, the evening prior, I know, was it yesterday we watched Mulan? The new Mulan? Yeah, yesterday. Um, there's a scene in that film mm. where she does some kind of magic and brings down the snow. She doesn't do magic. What is it? So the, the opposite team have got a... Um, what do you call it? This thing. Oh, a trebuchet. Yeah. Mm. With a fire ball on it, like a stone covered yeah. in um, fire. And she sort of uh, gets her attention over to her, so they aim it towards her. Oh. And it goes over her and into the snow. So I've got this recollection of her opening her hand and doing something, but that, that was a different character. Yeah. Anyway, the snow comes down in a avalanche off the mountain and just overwhelms the enemy army um but some of her team also were caught in the crossfire and were perfectly fine now a piece of ice fell on my head earlier on (laughs) (laughs) you're comparing it to that and almost knocked me out (laughs) so i can tell you for certain that that would absolutely not happen and um yeah I, i can't even imagine can you imagine being caught in an avalanche joe I know. I mean, I wanted to ask you about this earlier because I've never seen so much snow in my life as what we have now. No, like we've been here for three years. This is our third like snowy season here, mm-hmm. and the past two were absolutely nothing compared to what we have right now. Nowhere near. Um, and we are in one of the lower places out of this sort of area. Yeah. Um, so we should get the least amount of snow, but my goodness, it's a lot. So I just wanted to actually see how an avalanche is caused okay so i just had a look and Hmm. it says so it's obviously when the a layer of snow like slides down the under layer yeah um so it says there's four different reasons a steep slope Mm -hmm. a snow cover a weak layer in the snow cover and a trigger What's Which I don't know what the trigger is, to be honest. Hmm. Um, it says dangerous snow packs. Do you reckon this is what we were talking about earlier on with the, the, the change of temperature thing? So, yeah, it says temperature 
in the top layer of snow decreases. Okay. The layer of snow closest to the ground maintains its temperature, causing a temperature difference between the upper and lower layer of snow. Evaporation begins to occur in the lower layers, dis- distributing. Oh, sorry, <laughs> disrupting the stability of the snow above. The yeah. upper layers of snow lose grip and begin to slide, causing an avalanche. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, it's what you said. So the, the top difference. layer loses grip from the lower layer and it starts to slide down. And yeah. it, that's all so like So it's pushed. like when the top layer is colder than the layer underneath. Well. Wow. is what it said. That's so, interesting. So I it's, I it is to do with the temperature like a, difference. Shut up, phone. <laughs> there is a temperature difference there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the top layer slides down. Oh. But it's kind of strange because we don't even, we've never been told about that kind of thing here. With that, maybe it's not. The only thing I can think is it's not high enough. Maybe oh. it's. Uh, you know what we did see yesterday? What's that? Um, so we were on the uh, ski lift, and above us, there was a guy who was like cleaning off the top. Do you remember? I was on one of the, the um, <laughs> what do you call, even call that? They were like pylons, but they're not pylons, where the the cable... Yeah, runs through. Yeah, runs through. And the, the wheels are rotating on them. Yeah. He was on top of one of them, clearing off snow. How the hell did he get up there, by the way? I don't know. I didn't see a ladder. He actually... Oh, there is. there was a ladder on the other side. Was there? Yeah. No, never but noticed. he really scared me because in between each car, he was, like, kicking the snow off. So after you, because you were in front of me, so after you went, um, he like kicked the snow off. I was like, oh no, I don't know if he's seen me. (laughs) I was wondering if he was going to be like sneaking. Yeah, and like kick a little bit off. How would you not? It'd be be so tempting. You know, like when you're, when you're on the ski lift and people are skiing underneath you or they just, there was a person yesterday who just stopped right under the ski lift and Every time I'm so tempted to like kick a bit of snow off my snowboard and just let it like plop on top of the head, but I'm like, I can't, I can't. It is tempting. But if you were up there, you have all the power then because you you know it's going to go directly underneath you. He didn't know, bless him. No, he didn't. No, it's good. He probably loses his job. I did notice actually, obviously, we've been having a lot of snow, Mm -hmm. um, but they've actually been having record levels of it all across Japan. Really? Yeah, so bad. That oh, there was no. one of the highways, um, whereabouts was it? Uh, one of the main highways, in a way, somewhere in Japan. Cars were stuck mm. for like several days. They were actually snowed in on the highway. What? Yeah. I've not heard about this. Crazy. They had, uh, in Fujiwara, they had oh, a record yeah. amount of 7.1 feet falling. Um, yeah, that's so much snow. Just imagine mm. the level of me, six foot two, plus a, another foot landing. Yeah, that's mad. That's a lot of snow. It's yeah, people, people are having to eat well. snow because they, they no. didn't have any. Yeah, it is. One guy was, was commented the same, I had to eat snow because we had no nothing on us. Um, oh, my gosh. At least a thousand cars were stranded Thursday on the Kanetsu Expressway, which connects Tokyo with Niigata. Uh, some vehicles had been stuck as early as Wednesday night. That's like so. the main highway, isn't it? I was going to say that's on the way to Tokyo. So the span of nearly 10 miles of, of traffic jam. That's uh, that's pretty scary. So 
the fact that we've been noticing a hell of a lot of snow is <laughs> for that reason. How did they get them out? Because it hasn't stopped snowing. I can't even imagine. That's the thing. In between, just imagine loads of stationary cars. In between each of the cars, you're just getting mounds of snow building up. Mm. I don't even know how you would begin to deal with that situation. That's because it happened scary. in America very recently. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm sure it was a, a couple of days ago. Um, one of our friends said that his parents were stuck on a on a road for several days. Really? Yeah, for the oh, same I didn't reason. Know that. Quite shocking. Weather yeah. weird, isn't it? What it can do. So mm. powerful. Well, they're very good at clearing the snow away here. Yeah, they are. Like they have these really huge good. like bulldozers and they just clear all the snow away. And every person, when you're driving down the road, they're just clearing the drive, clearing the path. Yeah. It's like they do it all day. And we had to do it today as well. And it's funny, there's like this, I don't know, like I don't know if you felt this too, but there's this sort of like sense of community when you're doing something like that. I agree. And this lady drove past us and she wound the window down and she was like, oh, hi, I was IMAS. And we were like, oh, hi, and then she, and I don't even know if we knew her. I didn't recognize her. And then she started mumbling to herself and she said, Yuki, didn't she? Yeah, I think she just said there was a lot of snow. Or yeah, like you, it, it actually yeah. sounded like she said, Where's the snow come from? Where's yeah, she, all, <laughs> what's with all the snow or something yeah, like that? You she know? mumbled something, but <laughs> it just made us laugh. And then, like, people kept driving past and waving at us. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Actually, there is a sense of. Um, especially when you see other people clearing their drives and yeah. uh, clearing the road. and um, But the problem is with our drive is it's kind of across a, a little, like a busy road. Yeah. So the bulldozer comes down and pushes all the snow onto our drive. <laughs> onto the damn drive. <laughs> and then you have to go and like push it all away, away again. Yeah. It's for, I think... Um, Maybe they'll notice. I've been led into a full sense of security this year because... Last year, I think I did it once. Yeah. Literally all season, I did it once. Already, I've done it four times. But I like it. It's it's really good. It and gets you, you know outside. What? It gives you a bit of responsibility. And it makes you really warm. I was making <laughs> snow angels today. You were. Jody was just. I was competing in the gymnastics, yeah. jumping into the snow. Winter Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun. No, it was good fun. Um, but we were out there for quite a while, though. Yeah, and we found this weird worm. What? The hell was that thing? I have no idea. Like, I was... So, we have this water tunnel, or like, tunnel? What do you call it? Uh, I don't know. Like a... Water channel? Channel, channel, channel yeah. Channel around our house. Um, so, we were, like, pushing the snow into there to, like, it melting it, pushing it along. And um, I just saw this, like, massive worm thing. It, it looked like a, like a regular worm, but huge. Huge, yeah. Like, how big would you say? Well, you actually said to me, look at the snake when you... I was like, look at this weird snake. Because yeah. I thought it was like a like a baby snake. That, I mean, it could have been. No, because it would be... Do snakes, snakes lay eggs, don't they? Yeah. So it wouldn't have been a snake. It was very... I'm not sure if it was it just... Is dead, by the way. ...bloated or something because it had been in water for a long time. But it, it looked... <laughs> like a normal worm that had absor- absorbed Absorbed so much water. It was huge. No. No, But I don't huge. know. It looked like... Um, it was about an inch wide. You know, in really tropical rainforests and stuff, you see parasites that are in water. It looked like one of those. It yeah, was really, huge. really weird. And it took us probably, it took Jack five minutes to actually get it out of the water so we could look at it. Yeah, I, I kept putting the shovel in the water. I don't know what was going on, some kind of optical illusion or something, but I could not get this thing it's, on it's the... It's like when you try and get eggshell 
eggshell out of the thing. <laughs> you just drop it off. <laughs> and then it just drops off with a spoon. Yeah, that's so true. And it just trickles ex- off the that spoon. That is exactly what it was like. It was like that, but with a giant worm. Or because we were just curious and wanted to look at it. And then we, then when we got it out, we looked at it, it was like, ew. And then you just threw it back <laughs> in the water. <laughs> it took us like five minutes we to get it out. could have at least framed it or something. Or, you know, <laughs> try and find out what species it was. But oh, behind so also, we've got like uh, bug, what do you call them? <laughs> I, can't, I can't think today. They're bug nets. Yeah, screens. Bug screens that are across each of our windows. And there were still stink bugs stuck mm. behind them. And yeah. they were kind of still alive, weren't they? Well, like one. Frozen in I motion. Found, I found one that was alive. Yeah. Like, because I was just clearing them out because they kind of get stuck. I think they try to make their way in the house because we've taped up all the, all the windows so they can't get in. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd have hundreds of them in the summer. It's the only oh way goodness. to stop it becoming like a bug nest, isn't it? Yeah. So, and if they get in your house, they'll hide and they'll hibernate. And then it's really weird. They just, well, they hibernate in the winter, but they're like a bug. I remember reading this thing before. Apparently there's something in their system, blood, whatever it is, where they quite literally freeze themselves. Mm. um, And they go into this, you know, like stasis for (laughs) the whole winter period. And then when spring comes, it's like, wake up, boys. (laughs) Yeah. So this one, it was like moving a little bit. Yeah. But all the rest, they looked dead, to be fair. Yeah. But yes, like you said, some of them actually looked like they were frozen in motion. Mm. Like they were on the net or like they were, <laughs> they were about, <laughs> about, to take, about to take a step, like <laughs> <laughs> time to freeze. Uh, That's funny. Funny little things. Yeah. We had one uh, in our house on a little plant and I called it um, Shelley or Stella. What did I call it? Shelley. Yeah. She was there for ages, wasn't she? Yeah. But she kept going back to this leaf. So um, I just kept putting her back on the leaf. If I found her somewhere else, I'd put her on the leaf. But I think she was moving so slowly because she was going into hibernation. I guess so. Yeah. They're pretty harmless things, to be honest. I know a lot of the a lot of people that really don't like them. They're quite yeah. scared of them, but I don't if know. you like startle a stink bug or touch it, it all let off a stink, which smells like grass. Yeah. I don't mind it. Or you have a stink bug like catcher, which <gasps> it's a snowball maker. It is. Oh my gosh, we you can, can make, make snowballs. Hundreds and hundreds of the things. You know what we should do? We should make loads of snowballs and just leave them for the kids outside. What do you mean? Like on a plate? No, just not on a plate, just on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you put them on a plate? I just had this <laughs> image in my head of like making, let's like say, snow like 40 snowballs and then take them over on a big platter or something. <laughs> no, we'll just, we'll just leave them around. Ugh. And then the kids will get in a big snowball fight and it'll be great. You saying that leads quite... It's a nice segue, actually, into what I wanted to talk about. Leaving things around, but uh-huh. with, without any kind of, um, you know, ownership by them. Okay. So, uh, very recently, uh, I think within the past week or so, some treasure has been discovered. In, in Japan? Uh, no, no, in Wyoming, in America. And it's treasure that was um, left by an old author. He was an, he was also an antique dealer as well. Mm. His name was let me just get the Forest Fenn. Wow, Forest cool Fenn. He's a pretty cool name, isn't it? Um, and he wrote a poem where in this poem he did, look he left like hints mm. 
mm. as to where he'd left his fortune. And there's like literally millions worth of dollars of, of gold and gems that he'd left in a box somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. Wow. Um, and one guy discovered them. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but can you imagine can you imagine having so much wealth that you just decide, well, I'm going to bury it somewhere in the mountains and wait for someone to find it? I have um, a few questions, but I'm going to let you finish the story first. Okay. Well, I was actually going to read the poem because I thought it was, it was pretty cool. Am I supposed to know where it is if you read the poem? No, no, it's this, but this was, you know, just so you can hear the kind of hints that he gave. Okay. Very vague, I've got to say, but there we go. The poem is called The Thrill of the Chase. Oh, sounds exciting. Yeah, okay. As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret wear and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk, put in below the home of Brown. Brown. From there it's no place for the meek. The end is ever drawing nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease, but tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answers I already know, I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. Oh. It's pretty cool, isn't it? You look a bit teary-eyed, Jack. Do I? Yeah. Has that made you emotional? Not really. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> Your eyes look really glazed. Look, it's probably because I was looking at the screen. I said it again, glazed. It's not glazed, is it? What's that? I, I always say eyes, glazed. Glazed eyes. Oh. Yeah, this is the guy. This is Forrest Fenn. He died oh, this year. That's nice. That's like um, a nice man. But he, he revealed that the treasure had been found, but the um, the identity of the man was not revealed mm. because apparently he and his family, Forrest Fenn, they received like death threats <gasps> and, um, you know, terrible messages from people who were really upset by the fact that this treasure had been left. People were claiming that it was a fake... Um, you know, like a what do you call it? Like that he hadn't left anything there. It was just like a fake story. Um, several That's people fair. did actually die in the in the hunt to try and find this thing. Really? Yeah. So they came into lawsuits, and there was a lot of like heavy stuff that oh. had gone on in the background. And so the the guy had decided to keep his identity, you know, unknown. Wow. But it's now been revealed that the treasure has so, been found, and. Uh, did he... The guy's name has been released. Oh, the name's released? Yeah. Wow. I'm not entirely sure the reasoning behind why he's suddenly decided to release his name, but... Maybe people didn't believe believe him. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe it's like a legal thing too. Um, they just yeah. decided to bring it out in the open. But I just thought there's something about... Um, I don't know if it's old stories or... There's like this sense of adventure that I really love in old stories and this kind of thing I think is absolutely fascinating mm. like to I think a lot of people might see it as a waste but to me it's like it's magical yeah magical, that you would yeah. leave your entire collection and you know life's worth yeah to someone else to find up to fate almost yeah absolutely 
I thought I just thought I read that and I thought that was just mind blowing, you know. Yeah. Um I I have a few questions. Go on. So doesn't he have any family that he wants to leave this to? Yeah, he does have family actually. Like grandchildren and Um yeah. Um his his grandson was one of the ones who had contributed towards this article that was describing it, you know. Oh. And he was in contact with the um the guy who discovered the treasure. Okay, so that's one question. Yeah. So he died and then someone placed it there for him or they found it before he died? No, no, this has been placed many years ago. People have been searching oh. this for years and it actually became known as Fen's treasure. So did they find it before he died? Yes. Okay, so just he, before he died, it was it was found. Aww. So he he knew about it, and then uh, and the guy yeah. that found it, how old is he? You know, I saw a picture of him, and he he's not. Um, I would say he's about between thirty and forty years old. Okay. He didn't he didn't disclose how old he was in the thing I read, but he was you know, I would say from our age to plus ten years or so. Okay. Yeah. And then my other question is, hmm. what did he write? Um, what is he known for? He because wrote to to have. So much fortune, he must have written some. Yeah, so the, the where this poem came from was a memoir um, that he wrote about his life. Uh, his other books, let me just check because I uh, lost the title. Because maybe, Jack, you know, you're always looking for new authors. Yeah. Maybe he's not an, obviously a new author, but he'd be new for you if you've not read any of his books before. Absolutely. I did actually think a very similar thing. Because if you think, oh, well, you know, that's quite exciting and the sense of, like, treasure hunt and, you know, magical and that maybe that's something for you. I think absolutely. Um, it's I've, probably, like, become the most famous thing that he's known for now, this oh, it, treasure thing. It's one of those... It's kind of a sad thing, isn't it, really, that people often... <laughs> he was obviously very well-known, but he's going to become more well-known now. Yeah. People do when they die, don't they? When they pass away, for some reason, it just ignites their mm -hmm. their legacy of the stuff that they've left behind. Um, let me see what the books are that he wrote. Quite a few, by the looks of it. Um, the one in 2013, which is called Too Far to Walk. It looks, you know, like he, he's, a, he's done a lot of travelling and has made collections of books that's just describing his life and things that he's done. This one says he's got, like, photographs of his book. Um, so he's quite an adventurous soul. I would... This is the sense I'm getting from what I'm reading so far. Mm -hmm. um, I can't actually... I can't find, like, the specific genre that he, he wrote in, which is kind of strange. Do you think a book is a good gift for somebody? I think it's an amazing gift. Do you think it's very personal or presumptuous is that your throat that's my throat oh my goodness what horrible noise you okay presumptuous no not at all i actually think um i mean i love reading so if someone gives me a a recommendation for a book or they give me they give me a book let's say that's something new for me to get into yeah. and it might be something that i would never would have picked up myself but from that you know the good thing is when you find a new author in particular is and you like the book, you want to go back and read the rest of the stuff that they've written Yeah. too. So that's you, a whole journey in itself. But do you think that it's very difficult to choose a book for somebody? Uh, I, I just, I say that because I've been trying to get books for people for Christmas. Right. 
and I may have chosen a couple that I thought were good and then a close friend of that person was like, oh, actually, I don't think they would like that book. Right. So I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I think... So I'm kind of thinking, well, that's... Like my personal opinion is I think that book would be funny or I think that they would like it. Yeah. And then it's like, well, how come that person who also knows them Doesn't wouldn't think. wouldn't buy them that book? So I think books are very personal. And uh, and why I say presumptuous is like someone gave you a book to read. Hmm. But you described the type of book that you like and they gave you a book that they thought you would like and it is absolutely not what you would like. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really not on the mark, is it, I, from what I no. usually read? And I understand why they gave it to you. Um. I actually ended up reading it, and I can say that you probably wouldn't like it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of like since then she's asked me like only to lend it. She didn't buy you as a gift, but since then she's asked me like, "Oh, did he like the book?" And like, <laughs> I don't have the heart to tell her like, <laughs> "Well, he didn't really like the sound of it, or he, mm, he read a bit of it, but wasn't keen like." You know, I know, I know what you mean. It's, it's I, I personally, I know what you're saying about books being personal to people, but the as as time has gone on, like I, I used to read only fantasy books, yeah, and I read so many fantasy books that I got sick of reading them because they were just the same. It was like the, a story told in twenty different ways, but you also you kind of got to the same point at the end, mm. um, and so I started veering off into other genres. And it was one of the best things I ever did. Or is it like, I wish someone had have given me that kind of different book to yeah. set me on that path sooner. Because now I'm discovering books, like r- really classic ones too. Mm. Like I've just read um, 1984 by George mm. Orwell. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's an absolute gem of a book. It's so good and so powerful. And that is, I've, like, I haven't read that book. It, it's taken me to almost 30 years old to get to it. Yeah, and I love reading books, so I kind of feel like I wish someone had given me that book before to get I, to it sooner. I mean, I do get the point that you're coming from, but um, I'd have to disagree with you slightly, right? Because I was the opposite to you. Mm. I only I only read like true life stories and you know um, maybe biographies, and because I I felt like I needed to connect mm. to. The person, like a like something that was human, yeah, as opposed to fantasy, yeah. Because yeah. with fantasy, I felt like I couldn't relate to it. Okay. So, I, and I'm very, I feel like I'm I'm an empathetic person, and when I read, I want to feel that I want to feel something for the person. That's more exciting for me to to f- feel sorry for them or feel happy for them or because they actually exist. But if it's a fantasy. I feel like, oh, well, okay, that person, that person fell over. I don't really care because they're not real. Mm. Like I don't, I can't have any sort of emotion to it. Um, but now it's kind of like, like I, I feel the same as you. Like now I can read fantasy books. But I recently watched a video where this girl had said how to start reading books like she does like a monthly book review thing and she was answering questions and one of the questions was was, i want to read books but i don't know how to get into them Mm. and she her advice was just read the books you like just read the book 
that you want to read. And if you start reading it and it doesn't interest you, doesn't matter. Just, you know, even if everyone says, oh, that book's amazing and you think, well, I don't think it's amazing. doesn't matter. Just put it down and read a book that you're interested in. And eventually, this is exactly what you just said, eventually you'll find that you actually go to reach for that book mm. because you you are done with that what you were interested in and you now you want to broaden your horizons or yeah absolutely you get recommendations of different books and there's so many out there you know so maybe it depends then let's say the person that you're buying for if you know that they have read tons and tons and tons of books and like they've covered a lot of ground in let's say mm. a particular genre maybe then that would be a good to introduce them to a different kind of book yeah. Because they would actually be sick of the, that same genre themselves, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I, I certainly did anyway. And since then, I've read way more. Actually, the things that I've started to read have become more real-life stuff. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff to do with the history of Japan and uh, of, like, Fukushima and all that kind of stuff. I've, I've gone into that much more, and that's a bit where my interest has been more recently. Mm, but that's because you, I guess, you... You have an interest because you you live here, mm. you live in Japan, and you can actually talk to people who have had those experiences. True, but years ago I, I wouldn't have had interest in reading real life stuff. It would have just like I was just so I was like obsessed by the fantasy genre. That was the only thing I had a desire to read. Yeah, you know? but maybe, that's so weird because I I am literally the complete opposite. Yeah, but yeah, I love like fairy tales and like I love the fantasy world but to read it and mm. to commit to reading it is a bit different I, I th think I have to I have to have a connection to the character otherwise just forget it I, I, can't, I like I can't feel sympathy for you if you don't exist like mm. that's that's how I I don't know why that was I think it's just when someone writes a book about themselves they must have had a pretty unusual life or something They've got a lot happened to, say. to them, right? Yeah. So when I'm reading it, I'm like, I cannot believe this happened to you. This is insane. And that's what keeps me gripped. Mm. Not like, you know, oh, a dragon flew out of the sky. It's like, well, it didn't. Like, <laughs> it didn't really. Like, that, I don't know. Like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't connect the same emotion that I felt for reading you know, people's real stories and then... Yeah, I understand what you're saying and that makes sense. Um, I, I always I always got a lot from the characters I was reading so they were real in a sense, yeah. in my, in my, you know, my, my imagination, let's say. But, um, yeah, but I, I, I get what you're saying. I feel like I wish I had had that kind of interest in fantasy right. because it's a way to escape, right? That's yeah, that's that's a really good point actually because I always found <laughs> I always found the real world so boring, <laughs> and it's not at all. It's 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 a fascinating place, and I've come to understand that now. But I found it so dull mm. that these places I was reading about that had the the magic and the the dragons and all that kind of stuff, they blew my mind. Those were the places I wanted to be. I was <laughs> not in the yeah. you know the mundane. Is that a word? The boringness of the current yeah. world i think as well i have a very active imagination so i felt like i couldn't know about those fantasy things because they would 
I don't know. Like they would bug you too much if you thought. Yeah, or I just think about them too much. Yeah. Or they become real to me. I guess so, yeah. No, I think I am a bit of a realist. I guess so. But also I, I feel not, like I you're, know. you know the way that you learn is much more driven by particular images. Oh, um, yeah. So I think where with fantasy you don't necessarily have an actual image. Mm. Your mind isn't stimulated in the same way as someone else who just enjoys reading and then imagining from words. You know, you learn through images as opposed to words, is what I'm trying to say. Maybe. So maybe that's where it comes from. I don't know. So things like I, painting I, or a, a film or something like that would be far more engaging for you as a story. Kind of, but it's like I read Alice in Wonderland mm. and Through the Looking Glass and I I really liked it, but I I was more interested in Lewis Carroll as a person <laughs> and his friend Alice, who he wrote the book for originally. Mm. I was more interested in Lewis Carroll as a person and Alice, the girl that he wrote the book for, mm. because there was many apparently hidden meanings throughout the book. Like the Red Queen is supposed to represent her becoming a woman and getting her period right. or something like that. And the fact that she's angry and um, something about the the rabbit being late and the Mad Hatter always wondering what time it is or something. Like he's apparently been banished to six o'clock and there's a whole meaning behind that. And right. um, th there's just loads of hidden messages in Alice in Wonderland and I'm way more interested in that than the actual story itself. Yeah. Like the look, like I do, like I like the characters and I like imagining them in different ways and painting them and all like like that that's that's fun for me too like i made an alice in wonderland costume and you know that that's fun and the characters are, are, are amazing but why are they like that yeah the actual psychology behind why they yeah. are and also uh, what i've noticed too is you know when we watch a we watch a film mm. i know that what you're interested is in is the creation of, oh, without a know, doubt. How was the, the character designed? How did they make the costume? How did they do the makeup? Um, the the set, how was that made? All that kind of stuff, like the construction mm. of the thing itself is the thing that you're most interested in. Yeah. You know? Like, where did that come from? Yeah. Whose brain did it come from? Why did he make it? Why did she make it? Like, mm. I want to know. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, I, so I watch, um, you know, something like Jingle Jangle. Before the credits have even rolled, what am I doing, Jack? I'm literally looking up <laughs> who did the costume. Who did, and then I, I, I always, when I was younger, I always used to look at the credits of the DVDs of movies mm. and I'd write down all the names, like the makeup artist, the costume designer, um, you know, all the names. And then I'd, I'd go and find them. And I actually added... On Facebook, this was before it was super popular, but I added a load of these Hollywood makeup artists. So mm. I have a load of them as my friends on Facebook <laughs> because I would do that. I'd, I'd look at the credits of the movies and yeah. go and add them on Facebook. 
I think that's really cool though because it's cool because they still post stuff now. <laughs> they probably don't even like know who I am or realize like I'm yeah. just a, like a fan of the movie. But that's how I found out about um, the makeup on the Grinch. That's why I wanted to study makeup was because of that movie. But then I waited for the credits and I saw that the makeup artist, the head designer, was Rick Baker. And then I went a whole Rick Baker roller coaster and saw everything that he's done in the past, bought his book and, yeah, it was... Um, well, Rick Baker's got a pretty uh, fascinating back catalogue of work he's done, doesn't mm, it? Even, like, Jurassic Park, like, I never watched the movie for, like, years, but I, I didn't care about that. I wanted to know how they made those dinosaurs. Oh, that, like, the Stan incredible. Winston Studios and everything like that, like... You see the scale of those things that they built? Mm. They used, like, huge warehouses to construct, let's say, the T-Rex that they, they made for the film. Yeah. The giant animatronic thing. They used an entire warehouse to make a full-sized sculpt of that thing. Yeah. The work that goes onto the, into that kind of stuff, less so now uh, in, a, in a physical sense, I think it's much more like technical-based and, you know, CGI uh, specialist. But, um, yeah, you when the credits roll, a lot of people, they just sort of switch off. They're like, ah, mm. film's over. Movie's like, over, yeah. But do you imagine you're involved in that project? Mm. You'd be waiting to see your name as part of those hundreds or thousands of people, you know, because yeah. um, the effort of every one of those people, even if they were never heard of, was is monumental. Yeah. And especially, I think, in design and, and makeup, all that kind of stuff. You know, they were hours and hours and hours on those projects for, mm. it could be years. And it's never as sort of easy or as magical as you think. Like, they have no. a budget that they have to stick to. Yeah. So, you know, if you ever see a makeup or a costume or something on a movie and you think, oh, that's not that great, just try and think about the person behind it. Yeah. Because they would have had to stick to a budget and a time schedule and... You know, things go wrong and uh, whatever, whatever, you know, but... I remember the one year, you know, we went to... Uh, I can't remember what the year was exactly, but we went to IMATS oh, in yeah. London. Yeah. And the sort of special feature there was for Alien Covenant. Mm. And that that was really fascinating when they were talking about that. It was sort of a mix between makeup and... Um, uh, what do you call it? Animatronics? And there's something else as special, well. Like special effects. Yeah, I guess so. It was like a blend between the two, wasn't it? And and they, didn't they do 3D printing? 3D printing, that was a thing. That was like the big thing for that film. Yeah. But the way that they were discussing the budget in that was really interesting. You could tell. Yeah. Like they reading, were annoyed reading, about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> reading between the lines of what they were saying, yeah. it was like this was really hard to make because we barely scraped by with the budget. And they keep asking for money. Because yeah. they're like, we, how the hell are we supposed to do this thing? Mm. But, you know, that that really yeah. is fascinating, that, that sort of dynamic between mm. what you imagine to be the process of creating this beautiful, terrifying film, whatever it might be, and the real, you know, dirt and grit of, of actually putting it together. Yeah, and... Just, like, being, like, we, we've performed, you know, different events and for different things, and we've seen a very small amount of that. Yeah. But it is like that, but on a larger scale. Yeah, totally. You, like, we've done, like, incredible events and then been put in, like, a... I'll be on a bar. in a room. Yeah. With like a curtain Behind rounds. a bar. Yeah. <laughs> Get changed in there. It's like, 
okay. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny when you lift the uh, the magic and the glitz and glamour away mm. from stuff to do with entertainment. It's pretty rough and ready. Yeah, very much underneath so. the surface. Isn't it? And actually, Rick Baker is sort of um, he he did a podcast recently, mm. fairly recently, with um, Joe Rogan. Yeah, and he'd mentioned how he can't work in Hollywood anymore. Yeah, it's really. Um, I think that that pressure to do with budget, even now, mm. someone as high level as him, mm. the fight that he has to give to try and get any anything of a budget that's sort of you know realistic, yeah. it must be really tough battling that. I guess yeah. that's why he's not so much involved in it anymore. Mm-hmm. But he still got he does still his studio stuff, right? Like yeah, I believe so. Or... I believe so. Yeah, I, mean, I think you know he's one of those creatives that they just want to do their job they just want to <laughs> play with sculpting yeah you know they ju- he just wants to sculpt and design and he just wants to play with makeup yeah like he he wants to make monsters absolutely that's what he wants to do like he doesn't want all the rest of the stuff that's involved i think a lot of creative people struggle in that way like unless they have like a manager someone to like push them and say okay you need to do this now you need to do this or I'll sort all this out for you. You just do the fun bit. You yeah. do the bit that you're good at. But they don't tell you that if you if you want to do anything to do with design or anything like that, you have to be your own manager. That's true. So you have to learn how to, you know, be a manager and also manage people, other mm. people, and direct people as well. That's hard as a creative, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you said, you just want to sort of make stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting when... Uh, it must have been that same interview we was talking about the uh, making of American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah. Uh, and trying to, you know, doing the whole thing with the animatronics and where he turns into the werewolf and mm. the, the huge uh, effort that went into making the prosthetics and, you know, making the actual werewolf going through the streets and stuff. Mm. Very fascinating stuff. I would, I would love to be a fly on the wall you know, all those years back and just to watch the process that went on to mm. make those things. Well, it's a funny thing with, like, special effects makeup specifically because it wasn't a thing. So <laughs> people that were, like, at the start of this didn't really know that they were at the start of it, I guess. It was like, oh, we need we need something to, like, burst open out of this person's chest. It's yeah. like, okay, well, you know, let's get some tissue and some cornflakes and you know, make it look like chunky blood. Like, they just used, like, household items. <laughs> it's so funny, isn't you it? You know, like... The... You mentioned that, actually. Um, I don't even know why this happened. I was reading about the the iconic chestburster scene, mm. scene from the first Alien film. Mm. And obviously, uh, John Hurt is the actor who has the... Um, he's actually underneath the table. His head is sticking through the you know, the fake dummy body that oh, this thing is going to pop out. Okay. Of it. His, it's just his head popping through, which I didn't yeah. realise. Um, and the uh, director, which whose name is totally leaving me. What's, what's the name of the director of the Alien? Um, I don't know. I'm just thinking of H.R. Geiger. The... <laughs> His artwork is incredible. Ridley Scott. Oh, Ridley yes, Scott. yeah, of course. God, okay. Ridley Scott, he knew they had one take to do this scene. Oh, really? Yeah. And so 
all the cameras were set up meticulously. As mm. tense, I've heard before, his like his way of doing things is so. He's got like eight cameras going at the same yeah, time. He knows exactly where everything is, where it's got to be. So for this scene, everything's in place, and it's like action, go, and um, and just as like John Hurt's writhing around on the or the things writhing around on the table, and he's making all the sounds. And just as the alien is supposed to come out of this dummy body, the head is stuck. The Be- alien head is stuck. It's stuck behind the chest piece. Oh. Um, sorry, of the clothing. And it really feels like, God, stop. And he runs in, rips open the shirt and comes back and they, they go again. Oh. And they like piece it together. Mm. Um, and then they use like just butcher's offcuts and stuff and that's how they'd made like the inside of the chest and and whatnot but the attention to detail and the struggle that goes into making those really like you know iconic scenes is fascinating yeah and it's funny how much of them you really just have one take <laughs> yeah just that pressure mm. Mm. imagine that pressure it's fun though i think it's exciting yeah it's like you know when you we both did like theater mm. And um, that's always fun because you only have one chance. Yeah, you, you make know. a mistake, and that's what gets remembered. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, his hat fell off halfway through the scene. Ha ha ha. Well, no, it's so true, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, Joe, let's uh, let's end the podcast there. Okay. Nice little conversation. Yeah. Sorry, we didn't talk about Christmas. We haven't had our Christmas yet. <laughs> no. I tell you what. But ne- next week we will we'll talk about nothing but it. <laughs> <laughs> when it's over. <laughs> when it's over, yeah. <laughs> we can remind you all what a wonderful Christmas you may or may not have had. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you had a nice one, yeah. obviously. Of course. Um, thank you for listening, for tuning in once again. Um, you can listen to our podcast, obviously through Podbean, which is the platform that we use um, to get our podcast out to the peeps uh you can also listen to us on spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts and if you'd like to be a part of the our community Twitty, you can Sticking. join our facebook page at our weird life podcast or our twitter uh at our weird life pod jody statement of the week what is it always look for the magic in your life and try and be um thankful for one thing every day at the end of the day, I like doing that. I think, oh, what happened today that was really good? Mm, I had a scone. That was fun. There you go. <laughs> and with that, we will see you next week with a brand new podcast. Goodbye. Bye.